Welcome back to the Gobble em Up podcast, an official podcast of the Fifth Quarter Network, presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Now, here's your host, Carter Hill. And hello, Hokies, and welcome into episode 38 of the Gobble em Up podcast. A part of the Fifth Quarter Sports Network and presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Do you need a new or pre-owned car? Head on over to Duncan in Blacksburg. I drive a Mazda around town. I absolutely love it. So if you want to shake things up, go get you a Mazda. Duncan will take care of you over there on 460 Business in Blacksburg. You can find some of their new and pre-owned selection of vehicles at DuncanMazda.net. So check them out if you're in the market for a new or pre-owned car. Whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform, we thank you all so, so much for joining us. And if you're on Apple or Spotify, go ahead and subscribe and give us a rating. We would so greatly appreciate it. Help out the podcast a lot, and we would really, really, really enjoy it. Thank you very, very much. Paul Duncan is my producer, and I'm Carter Hill, your host and a contributor to Fifth Quarter. Reminder to follow us on Twitter at FQ Virginia Tech is our Fifth Quarter Virginia Tech Twitter. At FQ Gobblem Up is our Gobblem Up podcast Twitter, and my personal Twitter is at CBHill underscore 03. We have a nice little Friday slate for you today. Not too, too much, but got a good chunk for you as well. We look at some recent roster updates for Virginia Tech men's basketball. The Hokies add South Florida transfer Michael Durr, also a notable name, enters his name in the 2021 NBA draft. We will go over that in a second. He does not sign with an agent, though, so may come back to school. So some good news there, but we will go through that in just a second. Then Virginia Tech senior and ACC Network extra play-by-play and the host of the Tech Sideline podcast, Evan Hughes, is going to join the show and talk about the 3304 sports program at Virginia Tech learning under former voice of the Hokies, Bill Roth, what the ACC Network has meant to Virginia Tech, his young career, and Virginia Tech baseball as well. We will then look at what's been going on in Tech baseball and softball ourselves before we close it out and get you all set for the weekend. Well, we promised we would talk about Hokie roster updates. Like I said, the Hokies and Mike Young add South Florida transfer Michael Durr. He's an Atlanta Georgia native, the seven-footer. Also, when's the last time you can ever remember Virginia Tech donating a seven-footer on the roster? That's insane. I mean, John Ejiaki right now is, I guess, David Gassan is, I don't have the numbers listed in front of me. I think David Gassan is either 6'9 or 6'11. I know John Ejiaki is 6'10, but I cannot think of the last time Tech has had a seven-footer on the roster. Joey Van Zegger maybe even 6'11. I think he played for the Hokies from maybe 2012 to 14, somewhere around in that ballpark. Played for head coach James Johnson, then transferred to Northwestern. Then actually came back and played the Hokies in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, ironically enough. But anyway, it will certainly be a new-looking Castle Coliseum for someone donning the orange and maroon. This is the second transfer the Hokies have added this year behind Mike Young's one of Mike Young's former players, Wofford transfer Storm Murphy, who is really going to help Virginia Tech at the top of the key be the starting point guard next season. Really, really going to catapult that team into potentially a Sweet 16 team next season. I, I feel very confident about that. And that is a huge ad for Virginia Tech. But this one arguably could be just as big because you get to add some 
size down low. And you really get to compliment Kebe Aluma, assuming he comes back. We'll talk about that in a minute. And Justin Mutz, well, down, you get to compliment him nicely down low. Mike Young said following the 75-70 to 70 overtime loss to Florida that he would like to move Kebe Aluma to the four more this upcoming season, more as, power for, more as a true power forward. So this really would allow him to do that. You know, Michael Dura, I, I would assume, is would be more of a six-man type of role. I think right now, rota- I guess, for, yeah, for starting rotation-wise, you're going to see Storm Murphy, Tyrese Rafford, Naheem Aline, Kevin Luma, and Justin Mutz, assuming, like I said, Luma comes back. And then six-man, you're going to see Michael Durr, and then Hunter Couture also will get serious minutes as well. It's interesting because this is not the first time the Hokies have gotten a serious transfer out of the University of South Florida in Tampa. Zach Leday, I don't know. You, you got to remember him. Uh, program changer for Virginia Tech. He comes over from USF and really, like I said, turns around the program, takes them to their first NCAA tournament since 2007. He's now, I believe, playing overseas. Last time I was really following was in Israel. I don't know exactly. Turkey, maybe somewhere around there. He's been playing a lot of the, the he's been, he's been playing a lot of those countries out there, but he's had certainly a successful overseas career. And a lot of people don't think about those guys overseas. They make a lot, a lot of money. So just because they're not playing the NBA, he's doing well with his professional basketball career. Now, what gives does take, you know, the transfer portal has been pretty crazy this year. Jalen Cohn does leave the Hokies. He announces he's going to Northern Arizona University out of the big sky, hoping to turn them. He said after seeing Max Asmus and Oral Roberts, he was hoping to turn Northern Arizona into a similar type of story out of the big sky. Eastern Washington won that conference this past year. So he's hoping to uh, to turn Northern Arizona into a mid-major power. So best of luck to Jalen. He's an awesome guy. The couple conversations I've had with him over the years have been nothing but fantastic and really, really looking forward to seeing him balling out in the desert. Another transfer for the Hokies, Joe Bamasil, like we talked about last week with Jalen, or uh, with, excuse me, ah, with uh, David Teal. Uh, he leaves and heads off to George Washington in Washington, D.C. as part of the A-10. They've been a down program the last couple of years. But they still got a pretty big brand name for the for the A10 themselves, VCU, Dayton, George Mason's right there as well. They're part of the CAA for a while. So Joe Bamasil probably has probably has a chance to contribute up there for the Colonials. Hopefully so. You know, it's always good to see them do well. But that is the transfer portal situation for Virginia Tech. Michael Durr's numbers. In the 87 games down in Tampa, he started 85 of them. He averaged near double. He has two years of eligibility left. Because of the free year this past year, he will be a senior, but he has two years of eligibility, so that's something worth of note. But number-wise for him, he averaged, let me find a list here, here we go, 8.8 points a game and 7.9 boards. So, yeah, that's that's closing in on double-double, pretty much nine points and eight rebounds. He probably won't. have that. It would be nice if he had that amount for Virginia Tech. He probably won't have that amount of rebounds, considering he may not get the most minutes and also you got a guy like Kevin Luma and Justin Mutz down low but those numbers are still pretty good you know when you're averaging near a double double for a team that I believe was nine and 13 this year now they weren't they weren't great in the American but you know still a, a solid program get to come here and can really contribute for the for the Hokies he did put up 10 points and seven rebounds against Virginia Tech this past year and their 76 to 58 setback up at the Mohegan Sun Resort in Uncasville, Connecticut. That was part of Bubbleville earlier this season. 
I believe it was the third. It was the third game of the season for Virginia Tech. I believe it was the second or third for South Florida. So he's familiar with Virginia Tech. He's seen him in the past year, and that hopefully will help him out going forward. So that's going to be huge. I think this is going to be a nice add. Something to, something to watch out for, star forward Kebe Luma did enter his name in the 2021 NBA draft, but didn't, did not sign with an agent, meaning he is free to come back to school. So really win-win for himself in Virginia Tech. Gets to get feedback from the NBA scouts. That's always good, you know? Barring something unexpected, I would think he'll come back to school just because I think he can benefit for, from uh, from another year in Blacksburg and can really mold his way into maybe even a first-round pick next year. I don't know if he'd be drafted that high this year. But if the scouts tell him that he would be, he could leave. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully he does come back for the sake of Virginia Tech. But always good to see Kevin Luma getting the national attention that he deserves. Some other roster news around Virginia Tech Athletics. This, this was from last week, but Asia Shepard has announced she is returning to Virginia Tech women's basketball, and this is from Thursday. Corbin Myers coming back for his seventh year, coming to wrestle at 133, assuming he doesn't move up a weight class for Virginia Tech, and really will continue to give them a chance to win the ACC next year, ACC championship next year. I did, they won the dual-week title this year, but hopefully can win the actual title next year, and him coming back gives them a great shot to do so. I know Joey Prada, who was the 133 years past, entered the transfer portal, leading to some speculation that Corbin would come back, and he is. So that's nice for head coach Tony Roby, and they may be the favorite to win the ACC next year. I think NC State loses. Oh, they they lose they they lose some, but they still got guys like Tyreek Wilson coming back. I believe Hayden Hiley is coming back as well. Trent Hiley maybe as well. That could be interesting. North Carolina's on the rise in wrestling, so that should be fun. And hopefully, we'll talk about it with Evan Hughes, but full capacity in Castle Coliseum. Hopefully, six, six 7,000 people in there. So come out to Castle Coliseum, pack it for some hokey wrestling because they need and love your support. Speaking of Evan Hughes, like I said, he's going to come on. He's a senior at Virginia Tech and is a part of the 3304 sports program under former voice of the Hokies, Bill Ross. So he's going to talk about his relationship with him, everything that's going on with the ACC Network, his senior year in Blacksburg, and a lot more. He also hosts the Tech Sideline Podcast. We really, really enjoyed having him on, and we hope you did as well. So with that, please welcome to the Goblin Up Podcast, Evan Hughes. Now back here on the Goblin Up Podcast, presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. We are so pleased to have join us Evan Hughes, a senior at Virginia Tech and play-by-play for the ACC Network Extra. Evan, thank you so much for coming on. This is such a treat. Thank you so much, and we really appreciate your time. Carter, thanks so much for having me, man. Big fan of the show and all the work that you do, and I'm thrilled to talk some Virginia Tech athletics. Absolutely, absolutely. We're ready to get going. So, you know, for fans that know you but may not really know you, what's your background? Where are you from? What brought you to Virginia Tech? Just kind of start, kind of starting off a little bit basic. Yeah, so I'm from um, just outside of Richmond, Virginia. Grew up in Hanover County. For those that travel on 64, I'm just off the Goochland Oilville exits and went to Patrick Henry High School, which. Carter, I, I've learned that I had to clarify as I now live in Blacksburg. I did not go to PH Rona. <laughs> I went to 
Patrick Henry Ashland, um, which is just outside of Richmond as well. So I uh, grew up a Hokie. My dad actually played for the great Jerry Shanae with Virginia Tech men's soccer back in the 80s. So grew up with Virginia Tech background, have been so passionate about play-by-play since high school when I started my own radio show, Patriot Talk Live, uh, covering Patrick Henry High School Athletics and uh, Bill Roth and the Sports Media and Analytics Program led me to Virginia Tech, and it's still the greatest decision of my life. And I've met so many great people, and I am fortunate enough to have so many great opportunities at Tech, whether it's the ACC Network or TechSideline.com or you know 3304 Sports. So um, graduating here next month, Carter, not excited about it. <laughs> like graduating high school is exciting because you've got four years of college, but. Once you graduate college, the real world is coming, which is a scary thought. And, and you play second nationally in collegiate sports broadcasters last year. Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. It, it was a um, it was a huge honor. Uh, the Jim Nance Award is put on by Sportscasters Talent Agency of America every year, STAA, and they honor the nation's uh, top uh, sportscasters, whether that's play-by-play, whether that's anchoring and field reporting or podcasting. Um, it's kind of the thing when you're in college to apply for it at the end of every year. So Virginia Tech had two people placed before Danny Noakes placed in 2015. Bailey Angle took 13th in 2016 and 2017 and helped lay the foundation, not only for us in that award, but laid the foundation for what is now the sports media and analytics major in the School of Communication and Digital Media at Virginia Tech. So I applied my first two years, did not place. Last year was extremely fortunate enough to have uh, placed second, um, and it was a it was a really big deal for um, the School of Communication. And one thing I'm really passionate about is putting our program on the map, as is everyone else in our program. We want Virginia Tech to be known as one of the top communication schools in the entire country, right up there with Syracuse, the Arizona States, the Northwestern. So it did a lot for that, and. We actually have uh, this uh, STAA Jim Nance Award reel due next week for 2021, and I'm really excited because I think this is going to be the first year that we have multiple Hokies placed inside the top 20. So fingers crossed, and, and maybe one day, Carter, you'll be placing there as well. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. I, I won't go that far yet. we got a while away, but uh, you kind of touched on a little bit. What is the best part of the sports media analytics department at Tech? And can you kind of talk about the role model Bill Roth has had on your life in these four years that you've been in Blacksburg? Well, the sports media and analytics program is special because of the people. And just like Virginia Tech, why everybody loves being a Hokie, it's because everybody loves being in Blacksburg. Everybody loves their four years here. And it's the people that make it so very special. Um, we have terrific professors, professors who work in the field, not just Bill, who was in, it was in Blacksburg Monday through Thursday, and then he's out calling college football for ESPN on Saturdays or working for Westwood One in college basketball. Robin Reed is a professor of practice who's been with WDVJ7 for over the last 30 years, and he's their anchor. Getting to take classes from Robin is really special. Uh, Dr. Cerinthia Robinson, Professor Jared Woolley, I mean, just so many terrific professors, all headlined um, by the great Dr. Bob Denton, who's retiring this year, but he has helped transform us from a department of communication to a school of communication. He implemented the sports media analytics major. So we've got great professors. We've got great classes. My favorite being the play-by-play class in which we have a PlayStation 4 and we simulate games and get play-by-play reps that way. But we have tremendous 
from tremendous people in our program that are undergraduates that are studying. And, um, you know, 3304 Sports is now part of the Sports Media Analytics Program, and it is the WAER equivalent uh, at Virginia Tech in being able to go broadcast Virginia Tech athletics in person when you've got the athletic department behind it, the School of Communication behind it, giving us great equipment and opportunities and resources. That's um, that's what I'm really most proud of is that kids can come in and get on the air right away. And I'm also really proud of the fact that we offer more than just play-by-play. We have a website and nearly 20 beat writers that cover anything from Virginia Tech tennis to football. We put out nearly 150 articles last year covering Virginia Tech athletics from a writing standpoint, um, a weekly podcast that we do. We don't say no to ideas. As Bill says, this is our program, and no idea is a bad idea. And so it's amazing, Carter, for me, who came in in 2017 to see where the program was then, to see where it is now. And for someone who grew up a Hokie, like I said, to get to learn from Bill, who um, was and still is my idol in a lot of ways. I pinch myself times and really think to myself, am I really getting to talk to Bill Roth on a daily basis? Um, He is the best. Everything that you see from Bill is who he is as a person. He cares about you personally. I think Bill knows just about everybody's family member, their moms, their dads in our program, because he really cares about us on a personal level. And, um, my life has forever been impacted because of Bill. And uh, I'll, I'll be extremely grateful to not just have him as a mentor, but a friend for life. And one of the opportunities that you've had there, you know, at the, at the, at the sports media analytics department at Tech it, it is the, you know, co-hosting, or I guess I should say, yeah, co-host, I guess hosting the Tech Sideline podcast. Obviously, you're widely known for that across Hokie Nation. What is it like planning for a TSL podcast? And what do you really like about being on set day to day? Well, for your two podcasts a week. I, I, I love, love doing it. I remember when Tech Sideline was looking for a podcast host in May of my freshman year. So that would have been May of 2018. I was texting Bill about it. And I told Bill, please help me in every way possible. I really want this job because Tech Sideline has such a rich history of being the premier source uh, of Virginia Tech athletics and covering it. And I've always admired Will and Chris from afar, and I really wanted the opportunity to work with them. So to start off doing a 45-minute podcast in 2018 with the two of them sitting at a round table, to then I suggested one day, hey, let's put my phone at the end of the table and do a Facebook Live so we can get questions, to after my first year coming back and Will had decided to, to build a brand new podcast set. Now we stream over YouTube, and we have almost 10 different streaming Uh, platforms and ways to consume it so it's a ton of fun like our shows now carter go like an hour and 45 minutes which is crazy because it just flies by the three of us have developed just i think really great chemistry and we all really get along too off the podcast and i can't can't exclude the best podcast producer in the land malcolm stewart um so we have a lot of fun And, and you know in planning for it honestly a lot of it is looking at what has transpired in the last week of tech athletics or if we're in football season, what's transpired in the last couple of days. So a lot of that is preparing notes on uh, upcoming teams for tech. But a lot of it is, too, um, I, you'd be surprised that when I first started doing podcasts, like I had questions written out right, that I wanted to ask them. And the more podcasts you do with people, it's turned in from from uh, from writing out questions for the show to just having bullet points and topics that I know I want to get into because our conversations are so fluid and you never know what direction they're going in, which is a good thing because th- that's what makes for a great podcast and great audio is when 
conversations kind of go on detours and you go down different rabbit holes, so to speak. So a lot of it is, is I always like to joke that I'm the Molly Caram Rose on first take and I just get to tee up Will and Chris. I'm not the star of the show. They are. People are listening because they want to hear uh, their analysis on Virginia Tech. But it's a ton of fun, and I'm, I'm really grateful to the people who listen because um, and ask great questions at the end of the show because, you know, it, it's really nice to know that people appreciate the work that you do, and um, I, I love it. It's a great way to stay in tune with Tech Athletics, and uh, they're just tremendous, again, world-class people, Chris Coleman and Will Stewart. You know, I spent a lot of the first semester of football season listening to your show during ecology class, so that was kind of how I spent my second block towards the end of the semester, so... Um, if my teacher's listening out there, I'm very sorry. I don't think she is. She's not a big sports person, but no, I, I spent a lot of that second block towards the end of the semester listening to you all show. So I really, really enjoy it. So I appreciate what you all do there. And, and then what about the ACC network extra? You know, you've called, I hope I'm not missing any, but I was looking through your resume as you know, I was preparing for this podcast. It's like baseball, softball, soccer, lacrosse, volleyball, wrestling, sideline for men's and women's basketball. I hope I'm not missing any. If, if I am, please correct me. Uh, can you kind of talk about the challenges going sport by fort and or sport by sport and what's your favorite to call in your four years so far at Virginia Tech well I you're you're too kind for doing all the homework uh you I, those are all the sports that I'm fortunate enough to call um I don't look at it as a challenge I actually really enjoy staying on my toes and getting the chance to learn other sports and and, and, and broadcast those sports. You know, a prime example being wrestling, a sport that I really didn't know anything about before three years ago. And now it's one of my favorite sports to broadcast. And I really enjoy the sport. And Coach Roby's terrific and his entire staff, Jared Frere. And so um, I, I really enjoy it. And one, one, something good from something bad that has happened because of the pandemic is a lot of fall sports are playing half of their seasons in the spring. So three weeks ago, I went from calling a volleyball match at noon on a Friday to calling Tech softball at 6 o'clock at night. And and never will I ever likely get the chance to call volleyball and softball on the same day, two sports that I really love. Um, you know, one thing that's been really special is Virginia Tech Sports Media Analytics, the rising school of communication, and the rise of the ACC Network. And the, the staff that we have full-time at Virginia Tech, led by Eric Fry. And his tremendous team over there who I just every day, every time I get the chance to work, I, I, I have to remind myself how lucky I am as a student to, to be getting to work with these professionals. So I was fortunate enough to be doing softball games as a freshman and then that transformed into other things and opportunities such as wrestling or sideline for men's and women's basketball. I get to work with so many great analysts like Mac McCarthy and Andrew Wells and now I'm naming them, and I don't want to forget anybody because I, honest to God, love working with every one of my analysts. But it's been really cool to interact with coaches, tell the stories, because ultimately that's the business we're in a storytelling, like getting to Zoom with these coaches and then broadcast the games and tell the stories of the players and coaches. That's really special. Um, I'd, I'd probably say, Carter, my favorite sport's baseball, and, and that's because I've spent three years in the Northwoods League in the summer calling baseball. So I really enjoy – the storytelling aspect of it and the amount of filler you have, the filling filler time you have as a play-by-play broadcaster for baseball. But I mean it, there's not a sport that I don't love. I cherish every opportunity and I'm, I'm thankful that I get to rotate to different sports because it, it's, a and lot how was that experience up in the Northwoods league? 
it was a ton of fun. It was honestly the best three years of my life. Uh, the Northwoods League, for those that don't know, is a summer collegiate wood bat league that brings in some of the premier college baseball players in the summer because they're aluminum bats in college. And basically they get scouted throughout the summer by some of the top scouts of the country. It's 72 games in 78 days. So you have five off days from late May to early August. So for me, I get to call baseball every single day on the radio by myself. And it's how I've gotten better. I was lucky enough to call 186 games in three years with the St. Cloud Rocks. And not only was it so great for me professionally, but personally, the relationships that I made up there, the people that I still talk to on a daily basis. Um, it's so special. Uh, Hokie's going to replace me next year and Jake Lyman, who's going to do a terrific job. And so uh, it was a risk going out to a place who I, where I'd never been before. And it turned out to be the greatest experience of my life. And fun trivia for you, John Laser, the voice of the Hokies, who grew up outside of Minneapolis, his first play-by-play job was St. Cloud. And so that's a huge reason why I got out there. And I owe Lays a ton for, for putting me with the great people of the Rocks organization. So it's a ton of fun. Summer collegiate baseball. It's like minor league baseball, but I think even a little more fun. This is a personal question for me because I've really, really enjoyed watching summer league baseball the last couple of years. I have my grandparents live in Wilson, North Carolina, so I've gone to a lot of Wilson Tobbs games. I don't know if you've heard of them of in the Coastal Plain League. So yeah, yeah. So I've gotten big into it. But do you have host families up there in Minnesota? We do have host families there, and and they're the heartbeat of, of summer collegiate baseball. There wouldn't be summer collegiate baseball without host families. Yeah, yeah awesome. So I, I've been trying to get my grandparents into the host family business. I know with COVID last year it was. A little bit harder. I know their season actually had to end because they had multiple positive tests, I think towards the end of July, if I'm correct. But hopefully this summer we'll have a little bit more normalcy. I know I, I can't remember the capacity amount in the state of North Carolina. They're like, like 30% outside or something like that. So hopefully I'm able to get to some games down there. I, I really, really enjoy going to some summer league games because the passion is like no other same with minor league baseball because everyone's competing for that you know that big that one shot at the top in major league baseball but you know you kind of touched on with john laser's first broadcast in st cloud what was your first broadcast at virginia tech on the acc network extra in what sport great question carter uh, my first broadcast was february 28th 2018 i will never forget the day it was Virginia Tech Radford softball on a Tuesday night. It was cold, and my parents had driven up from Richmond to be there, uh, which was really special, and we have pictures from that day. And the uh, Hokies lost, I want to say, 4-1. Um, Hokies had a throwing error from the pitcher on a bunt that scored two or three runs, and, and Radford came away with the win. It kind of tied in my whole life. I kind of felt like at the time, uh, being an 18-year-old, my sister played softball growing up. I got into broadcasting because I was doing public address announcing for her softball teams when she was playing All-Stars when she was 8 through 12. And my dad coached her in travel ball. So like my weekends growing up were you know going to travel softball tournaments, heckling umpires because I thought it was funny when I was in middle school <laughs> and watching uh, the game of softball. So for me... Softball is a sport that's near and dear to my heart. Um, I feel really fortunate enough to have worked with Coach Thomas, who founded the program, and, and Coach Pete Damore, who's one of my favorite uh, people in Blacksburg and favorite people in general, and what a job that he's done. So that was it, February 28th against Radford. 
And uh, I'll, I'll never, never forget it. Great question, Carter. Thanks for bringing back those memories. I love how you know the exact date and the score and the play that decided the game. That's awesome. And, and I, I couldn't even dream of a situation now where Radford beats Virginia Tech in softball. So you got a, you got the Hokies in the early days during the rebuilding stages, and now obviously they're they're on a roll. But another program on a roll at Virginia Tech is Virginia Tech baseball. How fun are they to watch this year? And how far do you think John Chef's team can go? Well, they are a ton of fun. I have had so much fun. And I've seen over 200 baseball games the last three and a half years, a lot of them coming from summer ball. But I was really fortunate enough to fill in for Bryant Johnson, the voice of tech baseball, um, the North Carolina series in early March. And, you know, North Carolina's this storied program. Tech's never had a, a, a series win against North Carolina. And they go down 6-1 in the fifth inning on that Friday game. And I didn't even notice it until that inning. I mean, the stands are packed. And later do we find out their name is the Dugout Degenerates. <laughs> but, you know, they come back and they uh, they erase the the five-run deficit and they, they take a lead that Kate Hunter two-run home run. And the place was just rocking. And in a little ways on the call, I kind of let the crowd get the best of me, but it was such a fun environment. I mean, not only is the team so much fun to watch, but the fans are so into it. I mean, it is a real home field advantage. So they're a ton of fun. I mean, they, you know, they've always had terrific pitching, right? And that's headlined by Ian Seymour. But the offense has taken such a gigantic step forward from last year to this year. The mantra has been building in Blacksburg, and, and Coach Chef has really done that. I mean, he started by recruiting great talent right away, but combining that young talent with a lot of JUCO transfers. And now you're starting to see his recruiting class get into their sophomore, junior years and make impacts. And, and that's the thing, Carter, this team, I mean, everywhere you look, a lot of these impacts, impact players are freshmen. I mean, Kate Hunter, freshman, TJ Rumfield, freshman, Schobel's a freshman, uh, Genther's a freshman, Madden's a sophomore, Bittison's a sophomore, Hurley is a freshman. I mean, there's so many young pieces on this team. So not only are they succeeding right now, but the foundation's been laid for years to come. I think this team's a regional team. I think that if they had – a um, normal postseason, there's a chance they might host a regional. I think for Virginia Tech, I mean, the, the, the talent is there. I think the question is, uh, can the bullpen continue to develop like they have been right now? Uh, you know, Connolly's been an excellent addition. Noah Johnson has really progressed into one of the reliable arms. Hurd's been fantastic. Okuda put together his best relief outing seven innings last week, and he was pivotal in the BC series win. So I think if they, I mean, keep in mind, Carter, they haven't had their entire starting uh, starting uh, rotation. Uh, yeah, rotation. sure, sure. Thank you. Since the North Carolina series, because Simonelli and Gerard have been battling injuries. So once you get the three of them back. I mean, not only is this team good offensively, they have a really great starting group. They're really fun, and I think Coach Chef is the front runner to be ACC Coach of the Year. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Has it been kind of surreal to hear your calls with the home run hammer on Barstool, Starting Nine Sports Center, among a, a lot of other big outlets? It, it was, um, yes, it was weird to uh, not weird, just not expecting to get done with the broadcast. And I had a couple of my buddies text me and say, "You made Barstool." <laughs> um, I will tell you, it was it was really really unique this um, this weekend. My parents are are just my rock, and they are extremely supportive of everything that I do, and they they don't miss a broadcast. And um, this Saturday, they came up for Easter. And I took them to the baseball game because they've seen a lot of uh, tech baseball. I wanted them to see it in person. We sat right down the first baseline. And 
in between innings, they played one of my highlight calls. And my mom was like screaming, that's my son and pointing at me. And I was so embarrassed, (laughs) really embarrassed. But it is kind of surreal to see that. And and, uh, it makes my, you know, my parents really happy and proud. But, you know, honestly, what I care more about, though, Carter, is just is putting out the best product possible. And I think we do that with our ACC network team here at Virginia Tech. And so many people work so hard behind the scenes. Like, they're the reason I get to look good to begin with. So, um, but it, it, it is pretty surreal. And the sledgehammers had a huge part of it. And um, it makes the home run calls 10 times more exciting when you know the hammer's coming. Oh, the sledgehammer has been awesome. Yeah, I think, and it's, you know, provided a, a great light to Virginia Tech baseball nationally as well. I, you know, obviously we had talked about, you know, the Hokies are not typically among the nation's best in college baseball. And in fact, they haven't been to the NCAA tournament since, 2013, I believe, when they hosted a regional in Oklahoma, beat them up here in Blacksburg. And actually, ironically, Pete Hughes left for Oklahoma two weeks later. Um, I believe their head coach that year, the Sooners head coach was Sonny Galloway. He went to Auburn, and that was kind of the coaching carousel. I mean, gosh, Card, how old were you there, man? I mean, that's amazing. Your memory just sharp as that's that's more than I even knew. Oh, that I was big into baseball that year. I was big into baseball, and they hired Pat Mason. I was fortunate to get to Bat Boy a couple games under him. So a lot of a lot of my early memories of Virginia Tech athletics. Now, football is awesome, but was really Virginia Tech baseball, and so it's great for me personally to see the Hokies be the best that they've been in what eight seasons. And and last year they probably maybe were an NCAA tournament team. I don't know. This year, it definitely looks like they are as well, and, and you definitely touched on that. But, you know, kind of some just some personal questions for you. We, we ask a lot of our guests that, that come on these exact same questions. This one's going to be different because you're kind of falling in a different category. What is the best part of being just a pure student at Virginia Tech? Great question. Um, I, I Like everybody says this, but I, I mean, I mean, everybody means it. it it's the people. I gave one of my family friends a son who's a junior at Patrick Henry a tour yesterday on campus. And I walked around for two hours and just, just the people um, I, I just can't, the world-class people at Virginia tech. It is such a special place. Like I feel proud to have attended this school because every person you meet loves their school, great individuals, hokey pride, like, it is um, infectious, and there's not a day that doesn't go by. Like, how many people do you know that go to Virginia Tech and then they transfer out of Virginia Tech? Hardly any, right? Because everybody loves it so much. And why do you think everybody wants to come back for football games? Because that's when everybody gets to be together and they get to relive the glory days of being in college. So I just am fortunate every day to get to interact with great people. Um, I'll also say I think the food is fantastic and the freshman 15 is very real as I learned and have had to deal with. Um, quarantine was great though to, uh, to lose the 15, but um, <laughs> the food and I will just say the, uh, I love the campus. You know, it's funny, like once you move off campus and you go back to it, you walk around, it's like, gosh, this is so beautiful. Like I miss doing this every day, freshman year. So I'll say the campus, the food, but most importantly, the people. And do you have a favorite football game that you attended either while growing up or as a student at Tech? Yeah. Um, well, no no question. The North Carolina overtime game, um, because typically I work football games, and for some reason that game I did not work. And it was one of the few games since I've been in college that I actually got to sit and watch um, a Tech football game with my parents. And, you know, again, growing up, I've been going to tech football games since I was so young. It's a really special bond that I get to share with my dad of doing that. 
and just being able to um, – and I try not to show my fandom that much because you know, I wanna, I'm a professional first and a, and a Hokie second when it comes to tech sports. Like I want to be professional, unbiased if I'm calling games. But I'm also a Hokie, and that, and that day I get to put on tech clothes and go jump to enter Sandman and, and like jumping up and down and hugging my dad. I just remember thinking like I feel like I'm 10 years old again getting to do this with him and my mom too. So that'll forever be – like a very special moment like that I look back on in college. And then growing up, you know, I would – gosh, so many good ones. Um, very, very hard to pick. I would probably say when TJ Yates was the quarterback at UNC, I went to a road game at UNC. I think both teams were ranked in the top 20, and Tech was down like 17-3 and half, and Tyrod led, led a late surge in the second half. And – Came back to beat Carolina, which is a big deal. Like Eddie Royal was on that team. So I remember that one. That's a favorite memory. But um, I, I wish I could just say I was at the Danny Cole game. I was at the Miracle in Blacksburg, but I wasn't. <laughs> and I'll forever wish that I was there. I guess that was 08 then. You went to that one in Chapel Hill? If oh, Eddie Royal. Eddie Royal. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, that's yeah, 08, Eddie Royal. And, you know, a, blur, a blurry a little. I just remember Tech was down big in the first half, offensive sputtering. And then they came back and, and, and led a big charge. Um, but I, again, I, I think I think that and I'll always remember being a student for the Clemson College Game Day game and Notre Dame being here. Not the result, but just like the the parachuters coming in, game day being here. Like those are two memories I'll always have with Tech football. So you said you weren't at 2009 Nebraska. Were you at 2011 Miami on the Logan Thomas run? I was not there either. I remember where I was. I was working in a vent at Deep Run High School. However, I was, I guess another good memory too would have been, and and you might have this in front of you, Carter, it was the last home-ranked win before Tech beat Wake Forest on Bud Foster Day uh, in 2019. It was against Miami, and it was in the pouring down rain. Like I will never forget standing there with one of my best friends, Blake Jones, and my dad. And we had two ponchos on. And I just remember having never felt more wet in my life. We were staying at the Comfort Inn over by Christiansburg. We had a long drive back. Tech won, but it was one of the rainiest days I've ever been part of. It was a monsoon. Monsoon. It was Miami, you said? Miami. Uh, mm. I'm trying to think off the top of my head what year that could have been. Because they were on the, oh, they were at home in eleven. They lost on a Thursday night in twelve. They lost. They beat them down there in the pouring rain in thirteen. Maybe it was ten. It was so. I, it was maybe pre Jacory Harris. Um, I was in like the third or fourth grade. But um, and how about this? I'll leave you with one more. As I got to think about this too. Um, tech football memory. I remember. Gosh, it might have been twenty fourteen. Virginia Tech played host to Pittsburgh. And we had seats at about the 20-yard line. A couple of, I mean, rows up, but we were on the 20. And uh, I think the quarterback was Tom Savage, who actually played in the NFL. But I think a, I know what you're going to talk about. But go ahead. I think, go ahead. It's a great one. I mean, it hit a wide-open receiver. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was Kaishan Jarrett. It was. It was, yes. I mean, might as well have taken the head off of a Pittsburgh receiver. And, of course, if that was in today's day and age of targeting, I mean, not only would he have been ejected, he might have been suspended. It was that vicious of a hit. And I, re- I remember that well. And, 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 gosh, now a couple of games are coming back to me. Coach Beamer's win against Virginia. I was on the hill at, at Charlottesville. 
Um, when Sam Rogers caught the touchdown, Sam Rogers is my favorite Hokie ever because he went to Hanover High School, a rival high school of mine. I, I, I hope to Im- like live like Sam Rogers in my life because I just admire his work ethic and his um, relentless pursuit of, of chasing after being excellent in everything he does. I've had a chance to interview him, and I just I love that memory of him catching a touchdown in that game and, and coach Beamer and coach well, his son now coach uh, Shane Beamer and coach Vols are all hugging. And um, that's a, that's a really special moment because you know, I, 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 you want good people to succeed more than anything. And, and coach Beamer deserved to go out like that. So that was a great one. And I, I believe the Kaishan Jarrett hit was on Tyler Boyd, who's in the NFL now. So mm-hmm. it wasn't some, you know, I think it was in garbage time when that happened. It was one of the, it was like the last two minutes of the game, maybe. But no, it was an NFL receiver that he laid the wood on. And I remember we were actually, I was with a friend and we were walking down the steps, you know, to the concourse and he laid the hit on him. And my friend wasn't looking. So I had to get his attention and he had to look at the new scoreboard that year is brand new, that 2013 season. And I'll never forget that either. So I knew exactly what you were talking about when you said Pitt and, and, and uh, Tom Savage. So, no, that, that, uh, that, that definitely brought back a good memory for me as well. But my last question is how I always leave it with someone who has been to Blacksburg or has something to do with Virginia Tech. What is your favorite place to eat in the town of Blacksburg? I'm so glad you asked it. Um, I, uh, I will admit I'm kind of a regular at PK's. Um, it's, my, it's my favorite. My family loves it. I love PK's. You know, I remember when I came up for orientation – uh, Bill Roth told me to be in a PK's and I had maybe been when I was a kid, but I had a Sicilian pizza, which is that Chicago deep dish pizza. And it was just so good. And, uh, you know, one thing Carter, it's tough when you, you know, as you get older and you live off campus, you got to cook, which is uh, something I'm still uh, getting better with. But my roommate drew Clawbert and I, we, we, we are frequent visitors at PK's. I mean, listen, pizza wings, salads, uh, sandwiches, and even pasta. I'm t- I just had pasta like last week for the first time. It was unbelievable. The uh, wait staff, incredible, and it's just it's a fun place to be. So I am a PK's guy through and through, and uh, will, will always will be. Like Whenever I come back to Blacksburg after I graduate, I'll probably always have to go to PK's at some point. I always tell guests when they come on as well, I told David Tillis last week, but I'm sure you've been to Bottom of the Stairs, correct? I have. I love Bottom of the Stairs. It's a- <laughs> Great spot that more people need to head up. It really is awesome. Have you so what I get there is the bacon pimento cheese sandwich with the side of mac and cheese. And it literally is the best thing I've ever eaten on the face of the earth. I've got a piece of paper here right in your next one. Would you, you get <laughs> bacon pimento cheese with a side? Well, I will say I get a mac and cheese with brisket bowl and it's unbelievable, but I love pimento cheese. So I will I'm not kidding you. The next time I go, I will definitely do it and Hey, once you turn 21, they also serve rails at Bots, just like Tots. So, uh, yes, highly recommend. Bots is definitely my top five. Love Bots. I, I've heard their rails are pretty good. Now, obviously, I have nothing to compare it to, but obviously, but hopefully, in a few years, I will, and I, I, I definitely will. I would think in Blacksburg, but yeah, it can't be beat. It's probably the best thing I've ever eaten. But the bacon pimento cheese sandwich. Go ahead and write it down. Side of mac and cheese. It's the best thing, not not only I've eaten in Blacksburg, but probably in the face of the earth. So 
That and, and I don't know if you've been to Baz Nights in, in Nagsad, North Carolina. They're crab dip in the Outer Banks. Those two go go hand in hand. But you know, I haven't been there, but crab dip is undefeated. So the next time I go to the OBX, my sister's actually there vacationing right now. I have to tell her to go get her that and, and bring me back some. Definitely, for sure. It's expensive, but it's worth it. But uh, that is Evan Hughes. He's a senior at Virginia Tech and play-by-play for the ACC Network Extra, also a host, also the host for the Tech Sideline Podcast. Evan, thank you so much for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. Appreciate you, Carter. And just for everybody listening, Carter is a stud. I am so thrilled that he's coming to Virginia Tech. He's going to be in our SMA program, and I'm so excited for your future. You're the man, Carter. Like This was so much fun. You're so well-polished for the age that you are as just being in high school, and uh, you're, you're going to crush it, man. So pumped for you to get to Blacksburg, and can't wait to watch your uh, career soar. Well, that was Virginia Tech senior Tech Sideline podcast host and a member of the 33 or 4 sports program. Also played by play for the ACC Network Extra, Evan Hughes. He's the man, tire package. I really, really enjoyed the conversation, and we hope everyone out there did as well. Evan's a must follow on Twitter too, so go go ahead and go ahead and follow him. Let me pull up his Twitter handle too. Evan K. Hughes, go ahead and follow him on Twitter. Must follow, so head on over and press that follow button right now. There's two programs that are doing pretty solid at Virginia Tech right now. Virginia Tech softball and baseball cannot be stopped, it seems like. Now, knock on wood, because I may say that and it may completely reverse, but hopefully not. Virginia Tech softball ranked now 16th in the country. Actually, they moved up to 15th in the country this past week. My apologies. It's 25 and 6 overall and 16 and 6 in ACC play. They have continued to be on a roll. And a lot of that has to do with Keely Rochard. Pitcher from Williamsburg has been dominant in the circle this season. She's looked pretty much almost unbeaten, unbeatable. She's looked untouchable, really. And she may carry them into a super regional. I definitely think so. And if she has it in her, definitely could take the Hokies to their second ever Women's College World Series and really foreshadow Angela Tencher and what she did here at Virginia Tech. Obviously, she now hit Team USA, so that was a little bit different level, but I think Keeley definitely can be able to reach a level that, be able to get close to a level that that uh, Angela Tencher was at here at Virginia Tech for head coach Scott Thomas. And Evan kind of talked about that, about that a little bit. So what's going on with Virginia Tech softball? Well, we'll tell you. They recently took three of four from number 14 Duke in Durham. The Blue Devils had won 20 straight games coming into this the past series. They played Clemson the past week, so they they have been playing pretty good softball when the Hokies came into town, and the Hokies won the first three games of the series. Duke did win the fourth game of the set to avoid the sweep. It's really hard to sweep, it, sweep a team in four for sure. It's hard to beat a team four straight times, although the Blue Devils were out hit eight to two in that one. It took a, a little squibber single in the believe either the bottom of the fifth or the sixth off the top of my head to really put Duke on top and catapult them to a three to one victory. The Hokies did respond well this past weekend or this past week. I'm sorry. On Wednesday afternoon at Tech Softball Park, when the Longwood Lancers came to town on the Big South. Now, Longwood typically is a pretty good softball program in the NCAA tournament year in and year out. Big South champs, I think pretty regularly. They won the, the Hokies won the first 
game of the doubleheader two to nothing before taking the second one 11 to six it's kind of how it works baseball softball have a pitcher's duel in the first one keely richard longwood's girl was throwing really really well i was in, in, in attendance for that one and then the doubleheader the hookies jumped out to an eight run lead in the first inning that's how it works i believe they were up 11 to two as well and longwood scratched some across later on in the game but the hookies still pull one out 11 to six now virginia tech does not have a weekend series this weekend they have it off Hopefully can enjoy some time away for a little bit. Not really, but you know what I mean? Just kind of rest the legs, get in the cold tub, something like that. Just kind of relax a little bit. They do next Wednesday host Liberty Tech Softball Park at 6 p.m. And next weekend will host Georgia Tech from April 16th through 18th as part as a as part of a four-game set. So Hokies have this weekend off in softball, but that's what's, that's what's been going on. Some other leaders stat-wise for Virginia Tech, Kelsey Brown has had a fantastic year. 417 at the top of the order. Now Cameron Fagan has been hurt. Shortstop from Florida was, I believe, the number nine recruit in the country, according to D1 Softball. She's hitting 404. Jamie Bailey at 344, the first baseman from West Virginia, has been outstanding as well for the Hokies. They have a lot, a lot of girls that are hitting 300 and above. And it's been fun to watch. It has been a lot, a lot of fun to watch for Virginia Tech. And head coach Pete Moore certainly has things going in the right direction there. And I think it won't be long before we see Virginia Tech back in the Women's College World Series in Oklahoma City. So that would be nice to see for sure and great to see for the school. And, you know, who knows? I mean, it's hard to contend for national titles, but the Hokies are the best team in the ACC. They really are. I mean, they've taken three of four, two or three, I'm sorry, from Florida State and then three or four from Clemson and Duke, which are the other three best teams in the ACC. Florida State's gotten it going, though. I believe they shut out Arizona, who's typically an elite softball program. And UCLA, Arizona, Oklahoma, they're always going to be at the top of the food chain. But Virginia Tech, you know, it's softball. Maybe we can get after them. So that that should be fun to watch. For sure. But Virginia Tech Softball, continue that role. If you can, head on out to, talk to, to Tech Softball Park. I believe they're allowing, it's like 150 fans. It's like 300 in total, 150 for family, and then 150 for fans itself. So head on out there if you're in Blacksburg, if you're in town for a weekend, hope, you know, if you're coming in to play some golf or whatever. Head on out to TSP and watch some Hokie softball. Virginia Tech baseball, man, they're also on a roll as well. 23rd ranked in the country. And they also return arguably their best hitter. Nick Bittison comes back from offseason shoulder surgery this past week. Yeah, this past week in a win over East Tennessee State. We'll get to that in just a second, though. They're coming off of a Taking a, they're coming off of a series win against the Boston College Eagles this past weekend at English Field and Atlanta Union Bank Park, taking two of three from the Eagles. They dropped the first one seven to three, did win the second one six to five, and the third one four to three. And like I was talking to head coach John Shep after the game, this really can not turn the season around. It's not like they were playing poorly, but really when you're playing in a regional the first week of June, you point back to this series and say, that's what really, uh, that's what really, really got us going, made us hit our stride, because the Hokies were lifeless for the first 16 innings of that series. Only put up three runs in the first one, kind of slowly and steadily, though. Didn't put up any runs for the first six, seven innings of the second game before they came all the way back, and Kevin Madden hits a big two RBI walk-off single to win that one 6-5, to five, and then winning on a comeback victory on Sunday as well, or excuse me, Saturday. I forgot, with, with Easter Sunday, they moved that series up to Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 
They win that one on Saturday, the matinee four to three. They found themselves down three to nothing, but they battled back and win that one as well, scoring in the bottom of the eighth. So really about as as well as you can win a series for Virginia Tech. And they all got to be pleased at it at it at English Field, at Atlantic Union Bank Park, and over at the Weaver Center in Blacksburg, the indoor hitting facility. I want to talk about this past week, though, when the Hokies traveled to Johnson City, Tennessee to face off against the East Tennessee State Buccaneers. Why are we talking about this? Well, the Hokies not only won 15 to 5, but they hit their first cycle since 2010. This is cool, too. Gavin Cross, a Bristol, Tennessee native, which is obviously right, right there in the Johnson City, what they call it, the Tri City area with Johnson City, Bristol. Yeah, Johnson City, Bristol. What's the third city? Kingsport. I'm sorry. Uh, those are the three cities out there in, tri- in the Tri City area that's on the Virginia Tennessee line. Gavin Cross's dad also played at East Tennessee State, so this was special. He hits for the cycle seven RBIs, a homer, a double, a triple, and a single. And the Hokies are victorious in East Tennessee. Now, this was, like I said, about as good as you can get here. When you have someone hit for the cycle, that's 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 pretty solid. The Hokies are now 16 and 9 overall and find themselves with a solid record in conference play at 11 and 7, which think about when the Hokies hosted a regional in 2013, they were 16 and 14 in conference play. Got a long way to go, but that's definitely Fun to think about. But Virginia Tech, of course, Nick Bittison is back from off-season shoulder surgery, off-season shoulder surgery. And of course, he produces the first run of the game with an RBI single in the top of the first that scored Jack Hurley. And that really got him going. So that was nice to see him back. John Chef have been saying that they had been wanting to play him for a while, just had to get that final clearance from his doctors, and he finally does. And he produces big time two for three and his return with an RBI and three walks as well. They did not want to pitch to the man. Gavin Cross, four for six with seven RBIs. And Jack Hurley, two for five. Tanner Thomas, two for four. Lucas Donlin has really come on, two for three with four RBIs. He's hitting 348. The freshman from McLean, Virginia, he is really going to produce for this Virginia Tech team. And Griffin Green with a nice start. A lot of these guys have been playing pretty well. Tanner Shoba, one for three. He's a freshman like what like, like Evan Hughes had talked about. They're extremely young. They're extremely fun to watch. Dane Leonard has been filling in for Kate Hunter behind the plate. Kate Hunter broke a bone in his hand, actually like I talked about last week. So he will be behind the plate for probably another month before Hunter can come back. And he's been doing a nice job. But yes, it's been really, really good to see Virginia Tech baseball on a roll like I talked about with Evan. Personally, for me, it's a lot of fun to see. And I couldn't be happier with how the Hokies are rolling on the diamond. And I look forward to seeing how they finish this year because they have a really special team. And I think they have the potential to make a run in the NCAA tournament this season. They do travel down to Winston-Salem to face off against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons this weekend. Those game times are at 6, 4, and 1, all on the ACC Network Extra. Like I said, down in Winston-Salem on the campus of Wake Forest University. Now, Wake, a little better than the record, but they do come in with a 10-12 and 12 record and 5-9 and nine in conference play. They'll want to get that out. This is a big opportunity for a series win this weekend down there in their home stadium. They're coming off losing 2-3 or three to Louisville and losing – actually, <laughs> they lost to Liberty and Lynchburg, and 
Liberty, I believe, is 3-0 and against ACC opponents, maybe even 4-0. and They've beaten Virginia, North Carolina, and now Wake Forest. The Hokies play them. Uh, I have the schedule here. Let me see if the Hokies play them this year because I feel like they do off the top of my head. Yes, they play them next Tuesday in Lynchburg. That will be a tough one. That will be a tough one. So by the time the next podcast is out, they will have played in Lynchburg, and then they host Georgia Tech as as well as softball does that following weekend from April, 6th, April 16th through 18th on obviously the April 16th weekend in Blacksburg, which is the 14th anniversary of the 32 killed at Virginia Tech. But back to baseball, back to some happy stuff. Wake Forest, who we should see this weekend on the mound for the Demon Deeks. Ryan Kusick will be the Friday night starter for Wake Forest, and he'll match up likely against Peyton Alford, who's had a phenomenal season for Virginia Tech. Kind of a breakout year, to be honest with you. He was not thought of as much coming into the year, fifth-year senior Juco guy, still left over from kind of the early days of John Chef. And he has really had a good year. Maybe he works his way into the 20-round Major League Baseball draft. That would be fun to see for sure. And hopefully, you know, he struggled last week against Boston College, walked, I believe, seven guys in two and a third. Off the time I had, I believe that's correct. It'd be nice to be able to see him bounce back and show that he's just kind of had a fluky outing last time out. William Fleming will get the start for Wake Forest on Saturday afternoon. He will match up hopefully against Chris Gerard. has been battling an oblique issue like Evan talked about. They have not had their full starting rotation since North Carolina, so this would be nice to be able to have him back this weekend. If not, Anthony Simonelli probably will go Saturday. If Gerard can pitch, Simonelli will go on Sunday, and if he cannot... Likely we'll see Shane Connolly on Sunday, and he will be matched up against Rhett Louder, who is coming off of a seven-inning gym in Louisville. Seven strikeouts, two walks in 105 pitches to improve to one-on-one on the season. So he's 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 definitely Wake's hottest pitcher right now, but the Hokies have been good on Sundays. So Rhett Louder will close out the series for the Demon Deacons, and either... Anthony Simonelli or Shane Connolly will for Virginia Tech. Well, that is going to do it. Episode 38 of the Goblin Podcast, a part of the Fifth Quarter Sports Network and presented by Duncan Mazda and Blacksburg. Great episode for you here today. Hopefully got you set for the weekend. And if you're listening past the weekend, hopefully you do that. You did have a great weekend and the Hokies had a nice weekend in baseball. Big thanks again to Evan Hughes for hopping on. We really, really, really appreciated his time. I'm getting ahead of myself here. And I'm really looking forward to following his career as he continues to go into the workforce following this year at Virginia Tech and gets a big gig in the play-by-play business. Looking for big things out of him. For Paul Duncan, my producer, I'm Carter Hill, your host and a contributor to Fifth Quarter. Thank you so much for listening. Episode 38, the Goblin Podcast part of the fifth quarter sports network and presented by Duncan Mazda and Blacksburg. Stay safe, everyone. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.